We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And the Lakers got whooped by the Memphis Grizzlies last night after a good win on Friday night over the Atlanta Hawks. And so we're going to talk a little bit about both, but mostly about the Grizzlies game, because I think that that's a game that's more informative than the Hawks game is. And I think that game went the way that it did for three reasons. First and foremost, The Memphis Grizzlies are really good. I kind of gravitate toward them on League Pass because they're a team that plays hard every night. They execute very well and they have good personnel, right? It's not just a bunch of scrappy tryhards like, oh, these dudes can play. Like they're going to step into that jumper. Desmond Bain has a just great variety of shots that he can make. Uh, Just a lot to like on that team on both ends of the floor. I said this before the last time we played them. You have to bring a certain degree of your best. You have to be sharp against them because if you're not sharp, John Contra is going to dive from the weak side corner and get a tip jam on you. And that's going to be every time. You got to box him out. You got to crack down on that every time. And Memphis is really, if they're not playing the best basketball in the NBA right now, they're easily top three. So I just wanted to give a shout out to them. They're, they're really playing great. And I think that if we could, for the sake of preparation, if we could play them 10 more times and still make the playoffs by the end of the season, I think they're a great team to like measure where you are as a team against right now. Secondly, and along those lines, a couple of guys last night I didn't think showed up to play. They were not ready. They'd gotten used to, I think, when you play against defenses like Atlanta, Sacramento, I think Houston was in our run as well. You don't have to be as sharp that like you do against Memphis to get that open three, to get that bucket, to hit that floater. The whole point of playing defense is to make the offense uncomfortable. And I think that a couple of guys kind of had gotten caught up in that looser, sloppier style of play. Um, And they had to be more precise and more on it than they were. And then lastly, I do think that Memphis is a team, Darius, that exposes some weaknesses in the microball groups. This is never, the, the no big island thing was never intended to be just LeBron James. In fact, he was the second guy to Anthony Davis. 
It's it's that's the irony of us making this switch at this point is that it was supposed to be built around AD in a lot of ways. And a team like this exposes that in a way that AD helps a lot. But I think we need a little more of what AD brings. We've been talking about this over the text thread. I'd love to hear your thoughts on just like the matchup with Memphis and what that game showed. Memphis has a bunch of tall, rangy, physical players. (laughs) A nice little adjustment that I thought the Grizzlies made is that they started Zaire Williams, who is another big sort of rangy wing that really doesn't play a lot for them because they've got so many other guys who are tall and rangy wings. But they put him on Malik Monk. And one of the things that I thought was super interesting about that matchup is that that helps some against the Monk LeBron screen and roll, right? So Zaire Williams isn't going to be a a great matchup against LeBron James, right? But he's a very good matchup, I think, against Malik Monk because he is just so much bigger than him and is a good athlete and can sort of stay he's with quick, him. Can, yeah, right? exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and so, but then there is no hunting Malik Monk's matchup then and then finding like some six foot two or six foot three guard. When Memphis went to their bench, they did hunt that matchup a little bit and Monk got a three right away out of the same actions that were not leading to anything with that starting group. And so the first thing that stood out to me, Mike, was that, oh man, like, sure, the Memphis Grizzlies didn't have Steven Adams, but they were still massive in terms of a team, you know, with Jaron Jackson Jr. And then... John Morant is their smallest dude, and he is kind of small, but when you can hit your head on the backboard to block a shot in transition, Jaw's just a physical freak, right? And so all Memphis had was just athlete after athlete after athlete with a bunch of size. And I thought when you're talking about what sort of is the antidote to that micro ball, that's exactly what the Lakers did to the Houston Rockets back in Mm -hmm. the playoffs a couple of seasons ago. It was, yeah, guess what? We've got big athletes. Go ahead. You can try to play these small dudes. It's not going to work. We're just bigger than you. The guy that was key to that, I thought, was Jaron Jackson Jr. He had six blocks, and he is versatile. He's there, There's a lot of Anthony Davis uh, in there in that he can get out to the perimeter. He kind of erases the small ball advantage without making them small because he's still big. Uh, he was scoring in the post zone. But overall, I thought Pete's point about Memphis being good is kind of the the headline for last night and they're they're really good and even though the Lakers have already seen them three times they're they don't I don't think they looked at them coming in like they would have Phoenix or Golden State coming in but Memphis is playing just as well if not better than Phoenix and Golden State right now and they're on this ride together like they're all kind of bought in it's a great time for them so that they're that super makes fun sense. team to watch yeah yeah, so th- so you give them credit. I th- I think it'll be it'll be interesting to see how they get through the rest of the whole regular season as teams start to give them more and more respect um, as they stay uh, one of these top seeds. And, and I think that their challenges will come, and the Lakers will also get better. So I I'm trying to look at this that game more in the context of the homestand. And if you just told me before, even with who the opponents were, that the Lakers went four and one, I'd say great. That's that's a uh, Michael Thompson was demanding five and oh. Um, and I said, I, I, you know, I think you gotta, you gotta give him one. And that was the one. And it wasn't like the, the game at Memphis, which was the one I think where Pete didn't feel 
as frustrated when Darius and I recorded the next day, mm-hmm. you know, thinking that was a little bit more frustrating because they had this team down uh, and yeah, it and was the result. That it was like result. how it, yeah, yeah, yeah. So oh, we played but, a way but, better game in that game, Mike. We were we were um, much more on the ball. We gang rebounded. We did the things that a micro ball team or a smaller team has to do. Although Dwight started in that game, and so that's right. part of the conversation too. Is like we got to find out where the line is. Like this is only one of our looks, and right now we're kind of forced into it because AD is out. But we got to find over the course of this regular season, like where is that line of okay, we can't really play this group against this particular team. And I think that that yeah. was informative, Mike. Yeah. I don't see. Okay, let's let's stay on that for a second, though, because I don't know. I don't yeah. know if it was. I I mean, in the first half, especially, you had guys other than LeBron literally unable to make a shot. Monk and Bradley were both one for eight. You know, Russ has been struggling with his shot, but like there, and there are reasons why you you mentioned one of them, like having some some additional length, but they were also just missing again, completely wide open shots, and then still managed to be tied after one, mostly because of LeBron and how great he was. So I am I would probably need to see it again, Pete, uh, and not just in terms of like rewatching the game, but see them match up again to really buy that the Lakers couldn't play the same exact lineup in, in same rotations and pl- just play much better and beat Memphis. So that's totally the case. There's always a bandwidth between two teams of how well or poorly they can play on any individual night. And like sometimes a team's just going to miss a bunch of open shots and lose a game. And and so what I'm looking at more even goes beyond Memphis is we're still trying to figure this Lakers team out. And the microball groups are so new that it's like, OK, what does this work against? What does this not work against? I love that you brought up Jaron Jackson Jr. because – Another guy that I thought, oh, this guy's problematic for these groups. Like, it's not just uh, we didn't shoot well. It's like, oh, this guy poses difficulties that would be difficult for this group to overcome was Kristaps Porzingis of the Mavericks. And so these tall guys who can go over the top, Darius, I think – a deficiency on our roster when you play these small groups is that ability to win battles with your forwards around the rim. And whether it's Melo, Ariza, or even LeBron to an extent, and obviously LeBron is a great defender in aggregate, but somebody who can block or contest a shot high from a standing position. LeBron will get blocks if he's got a little runway. If he can get a running start, he can get to that. He can still get to the top of the the backboard square. But if he's from a standing position, once Jaron Jackson gets the ball over, you know, over a certain level, if LeBron doesn't strip it down low, it's up to Jaron Jackson to make the shot or not. And so guys who can kind of go over the top of us, this manifests itself in rebounding and all sorts of different aspects of the game. But it speaks to that, you know, we need a, a four, an athletic forward point that we've been talking about for, I, I think, a good portion of the season is it's four teams like this. And obviously, Anthony Davis helps out a lot. I think we need one more guy of that ilk. Let's go to break, Pete, because if we don't, I'm just going to talk for 15 minutes about those <laughs> points that you just made. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So I have two kind of tangential points to what you were talking about. It go, first, it goes back to my point about just like size. And it wasn't just Jaron Jackson Jr. Like slow-mo was kicking the Lakers' asses yes. in the Great paint, point. just shooting right over the top of Malik Monk, of Taylor Horton Tucker, of whoever and, and really Brandon was Clark. Like, Yeah, and Clark later in the game. Yeah, and it's all over the top, right? But in different ways. Kyle Anderson, Brandon Clark, Jaron Jackson Jr., same concept. It was all just like, oh, look at you. You're small. Nerf hoop. Like, my brother <laughs> did that to me when we were, mm -hmm. like, he's 12, I'm 8. Like, he would nerf hoop me. Like, oh, okay. Like, sorry, you're small. I, I don't know what to say. And the Lakers got caught doing that over and over again defensively. And, and so I think that falls in line with your point, Pete, that like certain types of teams, they have certain types of personnel. And I think Jaron Jackson Jr. is the epitome of that within the context of the Grizzlies. But he wasn't the only dude nope. who had that sort of same advantage. And over and over again, the Lakers got caught. That's where I think that aligns with you. The thing that I think is a pushback against that is that idea of are you ready to play? Are you going to play as hard as you need to play in order to be a small team? And yep. so there's a baseline level of, all right, we're going to compete and we're going to do all of the things that smaller teams need to do in order to win against a good team. And the Lakers against lesser teams have not had to do those things all That's of the right. time. This is a great point. And also because... Not all teams possess those same ingredients that the Grizzlies have. The Lakers sort of brought a Atlanta Hawks energy or a Sacramento Kings energy against a Memphis Grizzlies team that is just like, whatever, man. That's trash, basically. Like, over the course of the game, we're going to run you. And it was tied after the first quarter. It was LeBron basically being like, no, no, no. That level of athlete, I'm that dude. And we saw that over the course of the game, too. He had he had that beef going with Desmond Bain. Guys were talking to him. And one possession, LeBron said, yeah, guess what? I'm dunking on your entire team, right? We're down by 20. It doesn't matter because mm -hmm. I'm going to show everyone here that I'm still at that level. I'm just going to drive right down the lane. I'm going to beat two dudes, and I'm going to dunk right on Jaron Jackson Jr.'s head. And so LeBron was operating at the level, at least offensively, that he needed to. He was not defensively, but that's a different conversation. But if you're going to play this many small dudes against a team that is that big, guess what, man? You better you play like swarm. a dog. Well, you well I'm just them. saying, too, like, do your work early. Yeah. These bigger dudes are getting to within six feet and shooting over the top of you, and that's because you let them get to six feet like yeah. it was nothing, yeah. mm -hmm. right? There was no resistance at the point of attack. There was no sort of, like, I'm going to fight you for every inch. The way that they did, honestly, against this same team when they were in mm -hmm. Memphis, when they were mm -hmm. gang rebounding, when Avery Bradley was trying to box out Steven Adams at the foul line. 
right? Like they were getting to the nail and fighting for every inch. Like, no, you're not getting past this mark without a body on you. And that was entirely absent last night, Mike. So there's a certain part of, can they play this style against this type of team? Yeah, but the effort needs to be amplified like yeah. by 10, 15. And what, so that's the humbling nature of the NBA regular season and that you you can get locked into a certain mental space and get away with it. And the coaches can show you, sit in the film room the next day and you can go over it and be like, hey, this wasn't a tight enough rotation. But it doesn't really sink in until the team comes in and does it the other way. And Portland plays no defense. Sacramento, not great at defense. Atlanta, zero defense. And just in terms of effort and energy, let alone execution. Yeah. And then Minnesota yeah. was without Towns and Russell. You know, so that they, I just think that was that the, effort, the bigger point. And yeah, exactly. And, and this should be in their Memphis is both. They give the effort and they have mm-hmm. some length and athleticism. But now the Lakers go to Sacramento. And, and I think this they have, they have an extra day off. And this should be like watching this film now should I like my concern would come if we don't see the bounce back um, at Sacramento, uh, which I think we can expect. I think we can expect a bounce back, I should say. I think so, too. And I think that this game against Memphis was good preparation for the Utah and Denver games that we have coming up. Like we're about to play more and more serious customers around the NBA. Right. And we got a nice little uh, ramp up with the microball teams against these lesser defenses in particular, where it was like, hey, this action and this spacing, we got to learn more and more about the team. And that's going to continue going into this coming week where we play more of these serious teams that we're competing with for similar playoff uh, rankings or is, you know, higher up in, in the West Darius uh, with a case like Utah. And so going forward, what is a game like the Memphis game? What can we learn from that and apply? Cause I, I like, I'm still in a, in a place where we got to be better than we were it, like, let's look at it in five game increments. I think this is a good way to look at the rest of the season is we got to be better in the next five games than we were in the last five games, which doesn't necessarily mean, a better record because we're playing different teams. We're playing better teams. But I think that that improvement is going to be built upon the mistakes and the failures and the the things that Mike was talking about, what you see in the film room. It's going to be built off of that. And so how can we learn from this beyond roster moves and things like that, but the team that we have, what we need to do going forward with this? I hate to revert to like coach speak or or be like LeBron or something in in a post-game presser, but there are just a certain amount of habits that the team needs to continue to work on, right? The pillars of what Frank Vogel teaches are still like play hard and play defense and compete on that end of the floor in order to generate your offense. I feel like a point he made after the Memphis game was that the Lakers, I think, have been reverting into the idea of, well, our offense is what drives our defense. And I think that they've gotten away with that for a little bit too long. Right. And so the idea for me in terms of how does this team get better, it's a refocusing on the defensive end. Mike, I don't know. I'm sure you saw you were there, and I'm hoping that we get an update on this within the next week or so because we're coming up on that four-week mark. But Anthony Davis was working out before the game. He was on the court. He was he had a he had a knee brace on, and you know he wasn't going anywhere close to full speed. But he was out there doing individual work before the game, which was a pleasant sight for me to see. We had talked about this a couple of pods ago that the idea of AD coming back is great for this team. 
but it can't be AD is going to be our solution defensively. That can't be the mindset of this team. And so with an AD return looming, I still think the focus needs to sort of go back to, okay, all of this small ball offense spacing, I've loved the progression that the team has been making on that side of the ball. But in that, I have not necessarily seen the same commitment to defense over the course of a full game. Now, some of that's going to be dependent on how engaged LeBron is. I thought in this past game against the Grizzlies, he was not as engaged. But at this point, Mike, I feel like defense, like getting back to those roots a little bit more is where I want to see the the progress made. I don't know if that answered your question, Pete, but but that's sort of where where I'm at with well with this team right now. On the AD front, LeBron was asked about this post game, and another we keep asking or some somebody in the beat writer crew asked LeBron about, okay, so how much of this can you really evaluate now? What do you think about how your time with Russ? What do you, and he LeBron keeps point coming back to kind of like, yeah, we're starting to get some stuff, but we're still under the like we're still operating under the the fact that Anthony Davis is coming back. So we can't just say that whatever we're doing right now is going to be the type of team that we are because he is he just dramatically changes what they do. However, and this is kind of the the the, uh, the I, th- I think the optimistic side of this is that they are trying to and getting closer to establishing the style that Pete's been mentioning all year. And it's easier to like you don't fit Anthony Davis back, back in. He becomes a whole thing. But it, mm-hmm. it's easier to do that than to do what they were trying to do earlier, which was sort of have Anthony Davis out there and not really have the rest of the team playing a certain way and, and playing with Russ. And and that will be when the team gets to the next level. But Darius, your point about how the team has to just overall recommit defensively uh, with that group is is smart. And I think they tried they, the whole game plan today, Pete, to jump around here was, OK, John Morant, we're, since we're small, let's let's trap, let's recover. Let's do all let's do those things with this with this unit that we can't do as well if we have a center on the court. And what happened with that was they gave up a bunch of open threes and the Grizzlies hit all of them. They hit like 65 percent or something mm-hmm. in the first half. And so but that was part of the game plan. And, and you are going to have to leave, leave some shooters open, but not to the degree that they did. And, That's right. and so there were a, there was a bunch of stuff that was going on. But and but yeah, so uh, as usual, I'll let you pick out the point that you want. I think Darius's point is more of a pervasive across the team culture and identity. Like we're going to commit to doing this. Like we, when we watch Memphis, like they play that way pretty much every night. They have a bandwidth. Of, so, for example, the last time we played against them, it was coming off of a time where they kicked our butts with Anthony Davis. Right. And so I think that there was some degree of, oh, we played these guys a couple of weeks ago. We whooped them. And now they have they're missing one of their main guys. Like that was within their bandwidth of how hard do we play on any given night. Um, And that was on the lower end of what they give. And so we caught their attention, I think, in that last game. And they came in to Staples last night and were like, oh, you're going to see us for a full 48 and who we are and and what we do. And I think that this Lakers team developing that sort of commitment to the defensive end in particular, this is what we're going to do on a night to night basis. I think it is important. I think it's difficult to achieve, though. And so let's take a quick break. When we come back, I want to give a little pushback to your your theory a little bit. 
I totally see what you're saying in that like there's a certain degree of habits that have to be developed defensively where it's just like this is what you do every single time and it becomes that second nature of I don't know how to do it any other way. I'm so used to reacting to this situation in this way and that's basically what basketball is about is there's a pretty small number of scenarios and situations that a player has to navigate from one game to the next and so you're doing the same thing over and over again throughout the season. And how you navigate those, how much effort you give, how much focus you give is factors into whether or not you just reflexively do it, which by come playoff time, everything's happening so fast that you need to be able to like, that's just what you do. That's how you react to it. You don't have to think about it. And so there has to be some degree of development of that. I don't know if our personnel is capable of that in totality. The way I view us is kind of like an NFL defense that can force a lot of fumbles, that can get a lot of interceptions, it can get a lot of big hits that jar the ball loose and force an incompletion. Big play type of defense, but they're going to get beat deep. They can't stop the run as much, right? Like they're going to give up a lot of yards, give up points and, and sort of, I see us as a big play defense. And there are habits that you can develop within that. I am skeptical about our ability to develop defensive habits to the degree that you're looking for with this personnel. I think it's going to be more in bursts than it is like, this is what we do every play. I think that's fair. I mean, I also think then expect to lose. Yeah. I hate to be blunt about it, but the best teams, they have a level that they can reach defensively and they can tap into that for longer stretches. One of the reasons why I'm talking about habits I paired it with the idea that Anthony Davis is coming back because if AD is your solution, AD cannot be your solution to habits. That's right. He could be, he could definitely be a part of the solution to raising the ceiling and the floor of what your defense can be. But he can't be freaking teleporting within a defensive possession and be like, poof, look, I'm on the perimeter. I am defending the ball. Poof, now I'm back at the basket and and I'm contesting a shot. Like, oh, look, I'm everywhere. No, that's not how it works. He can't be a one-man solution for your entire defensive structure. So where I'm at then with the Lakers is sort of finding that bridge. I get what you're saying about being like, the nature of this team, I think, on both sides of the ball is a little bit like we're the big play team, we're the home mm-hmm. run hitting yep. team, right? Yep. And what you want to be when you're the home run team is the Barry Bonds version, right? Like the guy who he's hitting a home run so often that he's also drawing a ton of walks and he's just on base all of the time that way too, right? That there's a certain level of, oh, I'm just so effective. But the Lakers aren't going to do that. No one's that good. Finding a level where they could be like, okay, well, we are going to crack down every single time. We are going to make the extra rotation. We're not going to be lost as many times as they were lost against the Grizzlies, where it's a lot of finger pointing. Like, I saw a lot of palms up. Like, I don't know what happened there. It's just like, yeah, you probably do know what happened. Someone messed up here. And there was a lack of focus that I saw against the Grizzlies that was disconcerting to me. Now, maybe that's just one bad game, but it's also emblematic, I think, of what the Lakers have been too often this season when they're at their worst. One of the things I like about talking to you guys is that we're we're in this, what does it all mean? You know, like deep 
really trying to get the the philosophical uh, elements of this team and i what what i'm getting out of the last th- the, the discussion you guys are having right now is kind of the okay it's a personnel thing really so if you in terms of who's going to be on the floor that's really like uh, Pete what is it that you call it like a um serious adult responsible uh, the responsible, responsible adult yeah. lineups yes so okay so Westbrook and Monk can Westbrook and Monk find a way to take it to take defense and seriously enough to an extent because we know LeBron can't like in a game that you have to win in the playoffs we know LeBron can we know AD can we know Avery Bradley can we know that I think we've well okay so Ariza is a whole nother question I think we could do a separate pod and him and Johnson that whole that mm-hmm. spot Johnson mm-hmm. of course only played 13 minutes last night so that's that's gonna I'm gonna bring that into it but of the regular rotation guys, I think, you know, THT will try to take it seriously enough. The question is how much can he mm-hmm. evolve as a 21-year-old? And then uh, we know Austin Reeves will. And then it, it's basically Mellow. So add Mellow to uh, to Monk and Westbrook. And then we start to talk about Kendrick Nunn. And I know Pete's maybe a little higher on his defense than I was based on what I watched in Miami. But, like roster wise if you can bring one more responsible adult big wing this whole this whole mirage of a of a player that we've been thinking about can that get to uh, can that be the difference as opposed to what the scheme is and what the, the small ball is and how much does that play into it Pete so see so all of it's going to matter i do think that fundamentally personnel is the number 1 issue and that bigger wing that can compete athletically but is also going to be in the right spot and make the right play will that would be very helpful we're not talking about very many guys uh on the trade market though right and so in the absence of that um but even in the presence of that i think that there needs to be a meeting in the middle between Vogel's preferred defensive schemes and what our guys are capable of. One of the things that's been pointed out about the defense is that it's complex and it is. And it's something that systematically you learn over a period of time. And even someone like Malik Monk is a way better defender within our defensive scheme now than he was a month ago. There's been a big improvement there, but there are still weaknesses. The I think the fact that teams can go over the top of us is the biggest personnel weakness. That's not unusual for a small or micro ball team. Like that's the point, right? You're short. <laughs> and so people can shoot over the top of you, get rebounds over the top of you. There are ways to combat that. And so With respect to both Russ and Malik, I've seen on enough occasions this season an actual care like I am trying and that when I'm trying, I can be uh, I can make a difference defensively. Russ is part of our big playability. He digs out a lot of loose balls. He can get steals and deflections. I've been really impressed with him as a back pressure guy. Um, Now, this is when he's engaged. His effort and focus is either on or it's off defensively. And it's very apparent if you're watching him, which one he's in in any given moment. But when he's like, yo, we got to win this game. I do see a guy that gives effort. And the same is true with Malik. But what both of them have in common is that they make recognition mistakes. They're going to lose Patty Mills on a relocation into the corner. They're going to be like, oh, that low man is me a split second too late. And it's not for a lack of care. It's for a lack of 
being able to recognize it in that moment. And that is a fundamental reason. We have enough players on this team that fit that definition of making recognition mistakes. THT is like this too. That's the biggest part. That's the biggest weakness of his game defensively is that he can't read situations as fast. Very common for younger players. This is one of the biggest things that they catch up on as, as uh, their careers progress is just, you got to read it quick. And we've got enough guys that just can't read it in the moment that I think the simplification of defense, along with the fact that you're so short that fighting over every screen, Darius, and funneling guys into the paint is not always the best option. And I thought going forward, that's why I've been the we're I think we're going to go small. Plus, I think we need to switch more and have some zone looks. That's been part and parcel of my argument of where I think the team needs to go in terms of like. We need to have some pitches defensively that are just, let's keep guys out of the paint, keep guys in front of us. And I think that the personnel stuff and the team stuff go hand in hand in that respect. I think you're right. They need to switch more. A zone look would be helpful. But if you were to ask me if I'd prefer to play zone or if I'd prefer to like play bigger or be able to do something more traditional, Mm. I would probably Mm. go somewhere where the coaches would go and say, I'd rather play bigger. And I just think we need zone looks. I think it needs to be part of our diet. That's all I'm saying. I'm with you. I'm with you, right? There needs to be a diversity of defensive approach. And I too get frustrated if they don't switch more. Uh, The turning of the dials is something that I think is... Harder game to game for coaches because coaches really do want to establish something that they can do well against the majority of the league because it's damn near impossible to change what you're going to be night to night, much less possession to possession, unless you have the same defensive identity that this team has been striving for offensively. Those are habits. Yeah. Those are habits in and of themselves. Right. And so you have to teach something. You have to believe in something. Vogel believes in something defensively. And it's one of the reasons why he's to the level that he is as a coach. It's one of the reasons why he even, why he won a championship. It's because this thing I believe in works and he knows it works. It worked all the way to, winning it all and to so i think he's going to continue to teach that and it it goes back to this idea of all right well is that the right thing 100 percent of the time clearly not is it the right thing 90 percent of the time probably not is it the right thing 80 percent of the time yeah. maybe where does the dial right. land and that's that's what we're in the process of figuring out and, yeah. and, and so that's kind of where i am at with this team The tricky thing for me, though, is that this team still does have that Anthony Davis-sized hole. And he is the guy that can play any defensive scheme. So when you talk about, like, oh, let's chase over the top and funnel, like, you still want your guards to be able to do that. You know why? Because at some point, Anthony Davis is going to be the guy that you're funneling them to, right? Yep. And so that's where slotting Anthony Davis back in and teaching for the long term which is something that we've talked about Vogel doing Mm -hmm. a lot, right? Mm -hmm. Is it's why they're still doing some of the stuff that they're doing. It's because like if we had, if we had to beat Memphis last night, if like our season was on the line or a playoff series, we probably don't keep running the drops the entire game. Well, also too, if Anthony Davis is out for the year, guess what? You're probably not not doing it either. Well, well, no, I'm just saying. That was LeBron's point. That was LeBron's point. He's like, we, yeah, we have to do, we have to do things with the expectation of bringing him in. 
Yeah, and we've talked a lot about what that means for the team offensively, right? Like, what can we do or what can the Lakers do in order to optimize Anthony Davis when he comes back within the context of the new things that they're doing on offense? What we have not done enough of is, well, how are the Lakers still actually doing some of the stuff that they're doing defensively that actually fits towards what Anthony Davis is going to help with? And against the Grizzlies, they did that. And guess what? They got their asses kicked because yeah. Memphis is just like, oh, you want us to go downhill and shoot over the top of dudes who are three inches smaller than us? Thanks. Thank you very much. Yep. Thanks. Right. But in a month, if these teams were to play again and they're not, but in a month, if they were, it would be like, OK, guess what? You're funneling. And that's not Trevor Ariza that you're shooting over over the top of or Stanley Johnson. That's Anthony Davis. And that's that sort of idea that I think we need to keep in our head when a game like that happens, right? And that's why, was I frustrated? Yeah, I was frustrated. But in the big picture, I'm just like, ooh, it would have been nice to have Anthony Davis because Anthony Davis typically plays well against the Grizzlies. Yeah, that, he's absolutely a great counter for Jaron Jackson Jr. in that personnel matchup. I think that there's a lot of value in kind of sticking with what we do long term and, you know, fighting over the top of screens and funneling for exactly that reason, because it teaches everyone else what they need to do. And it gets them the reps that we've been so desperately needing this season. But when we go up against a team with big athletes and we're doing that with our current personnel, we're going to get our butts kicked. And that's what happened against the Memphis Grizzlies. Really informative week coming up for the Lakers. We are at the halfway point of the season. And so in tomorrow's pod, we're going to reflect on that first half of the season and the roller coaster that it's been. We'll cover that tomorrow here on the Laker Film Room Podcast. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. They will. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two. Listen. Bryant, unbelievable, for the victory, it's over, shot clock out of five, Bryant, yes, and that was a little tough to Albert Gentry, that insult to injury, Kobe, I mean, what a shot, I mean, you can't defend that, are you kidding me, 2.1 seconds remaining, Denver a foul to give, Jokic, Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.